Usually between Mother's Day and Father's Day, we have a series of sermons on relationships, family, uh, that kind of emphasis and focus. Uh, Aaron Bryant put this sermon series together, and as we were going over it, he was kind of telling us how he thought through it. Uh, one of the comments that kept coming up is that we have to avoid preaching sermons that end up with happily ever after. Uh, that we just can't fall into the myth that everybody's happy, that every family is normal. We have to stay away from happily ever after. Why? Well, honestly, because we don't have many happily ever afters, do we? In fact, when you hear the words once upon a time and happily ever after, you know that you're not dealing with reality, you're dealing with a fairy tale, something that doesn't come true very much if at all. You read the papers, you watch the news, you watch the talking heads on televisions and relationships are in dire straits. We are confused, we're angry. We can't seem to get this thing like we call love all in the right places. How did it get this messed up? How did it get this broken? Well, I guess we could write a lot of books on that. I guess we could study for years, but sometimes you just have to say, you know, this thing is too messed up to fix. We have to start over. And there's no place to start over better than the book of Genesis. Stand with me in honor of God's word as we read this familiar passage together. And then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper to correspond to him. And the Lord God formed out of the ground every wild animal and every bird of the sky and brought each to the man to see what he would call it. Whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. And the man gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and every wild animal. But the man had no helper that was found corresponding to him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to come over the man, and he slept. God took one of the ribs and closed the, the flesh at that place. And when the Lord God made the rib, to, had made the rib he had taken from the man, and he made it into a woman and brought her to the man. And he said, this one at last is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. This one will be called woman because she was taken from man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and bonds with his wife, and they become one flesh. Both a man and his wife were naked and felt no shame. Both he and his wife were naked and felt no shame. This is God's word for God's people. Hear it, believe it, and live. Let's pray together. In your word, you promise that you're making all things new. So make our marriages new. Make us as people new. Make our community new. Whatever you're going to make new in the world, start it with us. Start it here and start it now. And we pray this in your name. Amen. 
I always read that last verse with fear and trauma because that was one of the verses that got me in trouble at Huntsville Park Baptist Church. It wasn't my fault. Larry Lee, friend of mine, was sitting next to me. It was a long sermon. We were going through the Bible, and he found the word naked. Well, when you're 12, that's hilarious. He pointed out that naked was in the Bible, and we had to point it out to the rest of our youth group, and we were all laughing because naked was in the Bible. My mother did not think it was nearly as funny. So every time I read that passage, I, I twitch a little bit, <laughs> remembering the trauma of that Sunday afternoon. But you read that passage now and you say, wow, what I would give to have a relationship like that, that open, that transparent. Now that's a, heavenly, a happily ever after, isn't it? But that's not where it starts. That's where it ends. So if you're going to end up at happily ever after, and we're going to talk some more about this same passage next week. Where do you start? Well, let's go back and let's understand that there was a beginning, a, a, a start, a start of humanity. The word Adam, Adam, means humanity. And this is the, the story that tells us not how, it tells us who and tells us why. This is the chapter that tells us who and tells us why. The who is God himself, as he has made his creation and now he's established a garden. He needs somebody to tend the garden, wants somebody to be in a relationship with him, and he creates man, Adam. And he puts Adam in the garden. First lesson of this story, God did not give Adam the whole world. We always assume that God gave Adam everything. He didn't. He gave him the garden, so big by so big. One of the first things we have to do as maturing human beings is learn where our garden is. So big by so big. You're not responsible for everybody. You're not responsible for everything. You are responsible for who is in your garden. And it wasn't long before God, watching Adam, said, hmm, he looks lonely. So what does God do? He brings him all the other animals he's made. He made Adam from the dirt. He made these other animals from the dirt. Seems like that would be a good match. So he says, why don't you name them? Define the essence. And so according to the story, Adam named every animal alive, livestock, wild animals. And that kind of explains how he ended up with words like hippopotamus. Right? He'd used all the easy words early. Now he's just winging it. One of the most difficult uh, parts of the Bible, really, one of the hardest words, phrases to translate is that phrase that describes Eve. You'll see it translated helper, help meet, M-E-E-T, uh, help mate. You'll see it explained all kind of, because it was really hard to get that Hebrew into English. You're lucky, I can break it down Alabama style. <laughs> Here's what the word means. 
fit. When Adam looked at all of the animals, none of the animals fit. So God caused Adam to go to sleep. While he was asleep, he took a rib, made woman. Man's made from dirt. Woman is made from bone. Already, you ladies have a head start. Adam wakes up, a little sore, a little worse for the wear. Looks up and God presents Eve to him. And he waxes poetic. Flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone. That's not what he said. He probably had a few years to work on that. Okay, how do we know? Because chapter 3, when the serpent is tempting Eve, Adam is standing right there next to her. And typical man says nothing. Right, right now he's poetic. Flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone. And Eve is given to Adam. Now understand, Adam would have received Eve the same way he received the garden. She doesn't belong to me. She's entrusted to me. And just like he was to maximize the master's investment of the garden, he was to maximize the master's investment in Eve. He was responsible to make sure that Eve became everything God had dreamed for her. Okay, let's go back. Make sure you're getting this. First, God places Adam in the garden. Understand, young men, God gave Adam a job before he gave him Eve. Young ladies, when he leans over and whispers those three little words, lean back and whisper three to him, get a job. <laughs> I've told you before, when I was doing Kairos, a young man would hit me on the arm and say, do you know that young lady over there? Yes, I do. Will you introduce me? No, I won't. <laughs> I have credibility with her. If I introduce you, I'm going to lose every bit of it. Why? Why are you talking to me like that? I said, she's looking for a man for the journey, not a boy to raise. So before you go to that happily ever after, you have to be happy where you are, with who you are. Don't look for someone else to make you happy. Don't look for someone else to make your life complete. They can't. You have to be who you are on the way. Now, I'm not saying you have to have it all together. Because I know some of you guys are going, well, I don't know if I'd ever been married if I waited till I got it all together. I'm not saying you have to have it all together. I am saying you do have to have a clue. <laughs> you have to know who you are. And who you are can only be defined in a relationship with Jesus Christ. He's the one who tells you who you are. He's the one who gives you your name. Men, women, you can't let the world define you. You can't let culture tell you who you are. They'll always get it wrong. It is God and God alone who says, this is who you are. And you have to know your why. 
This is the reason that I was created. This is the purpose to which I'm called. When you know who you are and why you are, then there will be someone who fits. Who will understand who you are. Support why you are. Encourage who you are. Encourage why you are. Do not put the pressure on your spouse to figure out who you are. A lot of us are angry at our wives because our wives can't be Jesus to us. A lot of wives are angry at their husbands because you expect him to be your savior. You expect him to be your redeemer. He can't. He can be with you on the journey but he can't define who you are. People come to me and say, well, we want to get married. Why? Well, we need each other. That's neurotic. <laughs> Two sick people do not make a healthy marriage. That makes a hospital. Jeannie does not need me. I tell you all the time, she will have a date to my funeral. <laughs> There'll be guys coming over to my house. Sure, I'm sorry to hear about Mike. Do you need a ride? <laughs> nah, she doesn't need me. She wants me. That's a lot more fun than being needed. And that's because Jeannie knows who she is. And I know who she is. So if you're going to start for that, heavenly, uh, that uh, happily ever after, you're going to have to start a long time before you get there. And you're going to have to start with you. It's not a matter of finding Mr. Right or finding Miss Right. It's a matter of being somebody worth being found. So are you ready to get started? Are you ready to spend any time with Jesus finding out who you are? Discovering the purpose for why you are? It all starts with a relationship with Jesus Christ. And it doesn't start until that's started. That's why for some of you, the very first thing you need to do today is when I stand up in a minute, is for you to go find those ministers who are standing out at that table and saying, next step, and say, I want to pick up on the conversation that Mike was talking about. I want to know more about who I am in Christ. They're waiting there for you. They'll, get, they'll be there 
waiting on you to pick up the conversation. Don't leave this place not knowing who you are. Let us begin the conversation to help you find out why you are. To know the gifts and purposes that God himself has placed within you. So when the relationship happens, you will bring something of quality to it. You want the happily ever after? You've got to start a long time before you get there. You have to start now.